All right, take your Bibles this evening and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to read the last two verses of the chapter, verses 19 and 20. As soon as you have that verse, stand to your feet if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 19 and 20. Tell you what, I'll read the verse 19 and then when we get to verse 20, let's all chime in together, all right? Verse 19 says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Let's read together. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I am so thankful that the day that I trusted you as Savior, uh, because of your shed blood, you bought my body, you bought my spirit. I am not my own. And Father, that... Uh, that really takes care of, uh, of a lot of worries and a lot of cares when we remember that we are not ours, we are yours. And Father, I pray that tonight that you'd help us to get a hold of this principle a little bit and uh, realize that we are not ours, we are yours. And uh, Lord, uh, we pray that you would speak to hearts tonight, speak to my heart tonight, as well as those that are that are here father all of us need to be under your word and uh, lord we need to be submissive to it we pray that that as you speak to our hearts we'll respond with a yes to you for it's in jesus name that we pray and all god's people said amen, amen. you may be seated In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it, it is a very important principle, and it's something that I learned fairly early in my Christian life, that now that I'm saved, I am not mine. In other words, my life is not my own life. My body's not my own body. Uh, this is God's now. He owns me lock, stock, and barrel. And what I've found is, is that an understanding of that principle really uh, helps us and gives us a key to, to victory over irritability and anger. Uh, I'm convinced that one of the chief reasons why you and I get, get, uh, get irritable, you know, we don't get angry, we just get ticked off, you know how that goes. And, uh, uh, but the reason why we get irritable and the reason why we get angry uh, is because we forgot, wait a minute, hold it, uh, I'm not my own. Uh, I don't own me anymore. Now the Lord owns me. And there's three things in particular that, that uh, have a tendency to cause us uh, to, to be irritable and to be angry. Uh, first one is people, uh, bad habits of others, uh, personal traits, inconsistency, sometimes just, just regular character qualities of others just can have a tendency to irritate us. Uh, inconsistencies, quirks, you know, all of those kind of things. And uh, when we focus on those things, it has a tendency to tend toward irritability and then often anger. Um, surroundings is another thing. Just, just what, what's going on around us. Uh, inconveniences, weather. Uh, it's amazing to me, and I, I kind of I observe this over the years. Uh, there's always a, 
little better spirit when the sun is shining around here when, than when it's not shining. And it ought not to be that way with any of us. And I, I'm, I fall guilty of it just like anybody else. But, uh, you know, uh, we let those kind of things get to us. Uh, when the car breaks down, when, the, when the, the, something uh, breaks down in the house or we have a problem, you, you have a difficulty on the job, you have a difficulty uh, in your family, uh, those things can have a tendency to cause irritability and anger. And then, then the, the last thing is just yourself, you know. Uh, your weaknesses, your health, your uh, lack of ability, uh, those, those things that are lacking in, in your life or that are weak in your life, uh, we can, if we're not careful, we can allow them to cause irritability and anger. Now, there's, there's three right responses. And the three right responses toward those things that would get to us be, number one, thank God for them, because, uh, because those are the things that God's using in your life to get your attention. I was thinking about a verse today, First um, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And whenever we, we, we read that verse, I've always thought of it this way anyway, uh, in everything give thanks, for it's God's will that we give thanks and I believe that's, that's a, a true way to look at it, but there's another way to look at that first. In everything, give thanks for this, whatever it is that's happening in your life, for this is the will of God concerning you. We forget that. You know, we forget that. Why, why did that thing happen? Well, God allowed it. Uh, sometimes God actually brings it to pass. And uh, if that's the case, then I ought to be thankful. I ought to be thankful that, that God is working in my life and that he, he has a purpose with everything. There are no accidents with God. And then the, the second thing we need to do is to discover what caused it. It could have been God just brought it into our lives. Um, God allowed it. Uh, it could be that it was my fault. It, it, uh, it could be a bad decision that I made. It could be chastening going on in my life because of, of sin in my life. Uh, it it uh, could be something I did in the past. You know, one of the things that uh, I appreciate about the book of Proverbs, and it took a while after I got saved before I finally, you know, really, really recognized what the book of Proverbs really is. You know what, you know what book of Proverbs is? It's a book of cause and effect. It says, you do this, this is going to happen. You do this, this is going to happen. You do this, it's going to cause this. And sometimes it's things way down the road that we have done that, that uh, uh, come back to us and, and uh, those very things uh, begin to irritate us and anger us. And, uh, and we need to realize that, that it could be something that we did in the past. And then the last thing is you may have just neglected to do something. Uh, maybe because you neglected to do a particular thing, that's why the, the, uh, that, that thing that irritates and angers you would, came to pass. And then the last, last thing we need to do, response that we need to have, is find out what qualities God wants to produce in you through it, regardless of what the reason is why that particular thing happened or why that person is in your life or why that... A circumstance came to pass. God wants to take 
everything and use it to conform you into the image of his dear son. Uh, Romans 8.28, still in the book, says, for all things work together for good. What's the together for good? Well, we're on his potter's wheel and he's molding us and he's making us to be what he wants us to be. And uh, whatever it is that has come into your life, it's come into your life for a purpose. And we need to, we need to discover what that purpose is. Go to, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. In 2 Peter chapter 1, I want you to look with me down in verses uh, 5 through 7. These are some things that God says that we ought to add to our lives on a continual rotating basis. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, that's control, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Next time something adverse happens or something that gets you irritated or upset or, or even angered, uh, ask yourself, okay, what, what, which one of those is God trying to develop? Do I need to get more knowledge? Do I need to get more virtue? Uh, is he trying to develop uh, uh, kindness? Is he trying to develop a, 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 a charitable spirit within me? And find out what it is that God is doing in your life and what he wants to, to see you develop in. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. There's some passages of Scripture that I have a tendency in messages to go to more than others. And Philippians chapter 2 is one of, the, one of those passages. Uh, I'm, I'm drawn to this passage on a, on a continual basis because this is the kind of attitude that we need to have. He tells us in the, in the first, uh, first four verses, he says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. If you're living verses 1 through 4, you know what is absent from your life? Irritability. You know what else is absent from your life? Anger and wrath. Just in there. But the question is, how do you get it? Well, he tells us in the next, next uh, uh, four verses. Verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The reason why we get irritable, the reason why we get angry, is because we've got the wrong mindset. And we need to have the same mindset that Jesus had. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
When Christ came to this earth, understand that he yielded his rights. And he, he left heaven, came down here, took on human flesh, and subjected himself to the, to the things that, that you and I go through on a daily basis. First thing that he subjected himself to was, uh, was uh, yielding his rights to wealth. Uh, it says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that he became poor for your sakes. For our sakes, he, he left heaven and came down here and became poor. He did that for us. Um, you know, what, uh, what did he gain as a result of that? Well, he ended up dying on the cross, paying for our sins, and, and uh, gaining the fellowship with the redeemed. But, but he was willing to give up all the riches and glory uh, so that he could come down here and do that for us. Second thing that he did was, in verse 7, uh, it says, but made himself of no reputation. Understand who, who this was. You know, you go, you go over to verses, uh, uh, go to verse 9. It says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall, should bow and every tongue, uh, excuse me, should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is God of gods. And yet, he left that reputation and came down to earth. Now, when I say he left that reputation, he still retained the fact that he was God. He was God in the flesh. But he subjected himself to ridicule. You know, uh, it was said of him, yea, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Uh, it was said of him that he was born of, uh, of immorality, uh, that he was born out of wedlock. And uh, uh, an illegitimate birth. Uh, he wasn't popular with the, with, the, with the religious crowd. And obviously, he wasn't popular with the majority because he ended up being crucified on a cross. And he did nothing wrong. But, but he yielded that reputation. He was willing to... In fact, the Bible says that he became a curse for us. It says that he became sin for us. That's a horrible reputation to take on. He took on all our bad reputations, and he did that so that he could pay for our sins when he died on the cross. The third right that he gave up was, uh, was to give up the right to be served. Now, you know, keep in mind, this is the creator of the universe, and yet when the disciples needed their feet washed, he got down on his hands and knees and he, he uh, washed their feet. He came not to be served, but to serve. And he, and he came with a servant's heart and a servant's, uh, servant's uh, uh, attitude, a servant's spirit. Uh, the, the principle that you find in scripture is before honor is humility. And he humbled himself. And he humbled himself and became a servant. And then, then he, he also yielded his right to physical comforts. Uh, look in, look in, the, in verse 7 again. He made himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You know, that means that he got hungry like you and I do. That means that, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he could get hurt like you and I do physically. Physically. 
Um, that means that he subjected himself to all of the physical things that you and I uh, have to go through every day. And he never felt that before. But he, he gave all that up. He gave that physical comfort up for, for you and for me. It says that he fasted. It says that he prayed. It says that he rose up early. Uh, you know, And uh, they wanted to make him king early, but he knew that it was not the time and that he had to first go to the cross. And he did so. He was willing to take all that discomfort and give up his right to that. And the last right that he yielded up, yielded up was his right to make his own decisions. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is when Jesus is in the garden and he's praying to the Father and he says, he says, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And what, what he was saying was, what I want is not what's important, it's what you want. And he subjected himself, as, as a human being, he subjected himself to the Father. And he gave up his right to make his own decision. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. One of the, one of the keys... that we need to get a hold of is understanding the difference between rights and responsibilities and what we're supposed to what we're supposed to focus on. The book of Revelation chapter 3 uh, actually 2 and 3 it's addresses to the seven churches uh, in Asia and though they were seven actual literal churches during that time they also are representative, if you look at history, from the, the time of, of Christ and when the, when the church began until today, you see, you see trends in church history and they match. Those trends match those seven churches in the order that they're given. Well, the very last church that's, that's uh, talked about is the church at Laodicea. And... Uh, that means that, that we would be in that church age. And Laodicea means people's rights. And that's what they focused on. They focused on their own rights. And that's what's going on today. You see that not only in the world, but can I tell you, honestly, you see it within local churches. Understand, uh, you know, if, if I'm in this age and you're in this age, this age is affecting us, okay? It is affecting us. And so we need to be careful of that very thing. And we, we, we have a tendency, just like those folks did in that church, to uh, focus on our rights. You know, I have a right to this and I have a right to that. Notice this over in Ephesians chapter 5. And this is the, the, last, the last verse in the chapter. It says, nevertheless, he just, just got done talking about being filled with the Spirit, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, then he talks about the husband-wife relationship. He says that husbands are to love their wives, and wives are to submit themselves unto their own husbands. Look in verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in, in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now that's how God designed marriage. So what does that mean? That means as a husband... I have a right to be reverenced by my wife. And every husband in here has that right. 
And it also means that every wife in, in this place, uh, because of the way God designed marriage, you have a right to expect your husband to love you. I have a right to a submissive wife. She has a right to a loving husband. That's just the way it is. But now, here's the problem. Problem comes in when I focus on my rights rather than my responsibility. You know, when, when God addresses the husband and the wife, he doesn't focus on the, the right that the wife has from the husband and the right that the husband has from the wife. You know what he focuses on? He focuses on the responsibility. Verse 33 again, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. What is that? That's my responsibility. Regardless of what she does, I have a responsibility. And if a wife does not fulfill her responsibility, that does not loose a husband from fulfilling his responsibility. And likewise, what does it say about the, the wife to the husband? And the wife, see that she reverence her husband, show respect, show honor. And before that, it talks about submission. It's all put together in, in one package. That's all what reverence is. And, uh, uh, but does the wife have the opportunity to, to uh, abrogate that responsibility if her husband does not fulfill his responsibility? Absolutely not. You don't find that anywhere in Scripture. And so the thing that I am supposed to, and you are supposed to, in every area of life, uh, to, to, to uh, uh, focus on is not focusing on our rights. The Lord Jesus did not focus on his rights. Listen, he had, he had the right to be worshipped. Would you not agree with that? I mean, he's God. He's God in the flesh. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He, has the, he had the right to be worshipped. But you know what? There's a lot of folks that didn't worship him. A lot of folks that said some awful things about him. And then there are those that actually went and took him and crucified him and nailed him to a tree. And he was willing to, to allow all of that to happen. You know, um, he didn't go, when he went to that cross, he didn't go kicking and screaming. In fact, he said, I laid down my life for the sheep. He said, I'm not focusing on my, on my rights. I'm focusing on my responsibility. And my responsibility, according to the Father, is to become a curse for these people. My responsibility is to become sin for these people. My responsibility is to pay with my pure blood, God's blood, to pay for the sins of the whole world. And that's exactly what he did. Well, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Just as Jesus had that, had that uh, uh, focus in his life on his responsibilities, we need to do likewise. And the thing that, that, that uh, causes us to be able to do that and, and uh, to have victory over anger and over irritation is a, is a quality called meekness. The Bible talks much about meekness. Uh, it talks about the fact that, that uh, Moses, at the time that he was alive, was the meekest man on all the earth. And of course, 
when he got into trouble is when he lost that meekness. Now, just because you're the meekest man on all the earth doesn't mean you never have a problem with anger. And he had a problem with anger. And I, I would encourage you sometime to, to look at all the different times that Moses got angry and Moses got full of wrath. Um, and uh, uh, because of that, he ended up not, that and the fact that he, that he uh, that caused him not to have proper faith in God um, and believe the Lord and uh, sanctify God in the, the sight of the people, he ended up not going into the, not going into the promised land. But, but meekness is just the opposite of anger. It's just the opposite of irritability. If we have meekness, we're not going to get irritable. We're not, we're not going to have ungodly anger. Meekness is, is just simply yielding our rights to God so he can work through us. When we, when we surrender our rights to God, we yield to his lordship. And we say, listen, it's not my will that's important. It's your will that's important. And that's, that's true in every area of our life, whether it be money or job or family, church, possessions, health, schedule, uh, you know, our, our, our uh, personal likes and dislikes, friends, future, whatever it might be. That's the reason why I, I always encourage teenagers, when you start getting up there in, toward the end of high school, you need to develop an attitude that says, listen, Lord, uh, here is, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to ask you to show me what you'd have me to do with my life. And uh, basically just give God a blank check and say, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, that's what I'm willing to do. That's meekness. And what meekness does is meekness does not focus on rights. Meekness focuses on responsibility. What is it that I am supposed to do? And when we focus on those, on, uh, on those responsibilities rather than on our rights, then we, we combat anger in our lives. Um, this, this whole thing goes back to what we looked at right at the very beginning of the message, which has to do with the fact that you are not your own, you're bought with a price. And there's a, there's a principle there of ownership. And that's just realizing that everything I have and everything that I am belongs to God. And that he can use it any way that he desires in order to accomplish his will. And when, when we get angry, when we get ir irritated, it's because we've lost sight of that. We've lost sight of the fact that, that, that he owns us. And what anger is and what irritability is, is a, it's a red flag, it's a warning that we're holding back something from God. We're holding back a right, we're holding back an expectation, we're holding back, and we're, we're, we're holding back a uh, possession. Uh, we're not freely giving everything that we have to God. And now the, the, the wrong, there's three basic wrong responses to irritations and to anger. Um, one of them is when you get irritated is to try to defend yourself. Now, it's not wrong to answer an, an accusation, but it's wrong to get defensive. There's a difference. And the difference is a person who answers but does not defend 
has given up his right. Well, however that falls out, that's how it falls out. But when you start to get defensive, and you know what I'm talking about. I, I've watched this. I've had it happen with me. Someone comes up and, and accuses you. And it may, it may be in a mild way. It may be in a very angry way. And they accuse you of something. And immediately, what, what happens if you're not careful? You get a defense shield that comes up. And there's an attitude and there's a spirit in your answer. When, when our rights are surrendered to God and when we have a meek spirit, we, we don't, we don't uh, respond that way. You look at Moses and Aaron. <clears throat> Moses and Aaron were, were leading anywhere between one and four, excuse me, one and four million people through the wilderness. And uh, it was often that they came up and they griped about Moses and they griped about Aaron. Do you notice how most of the time Aaron and Moses responded to that thing? You know what they did? They fell to their face before God. Now that's not defensive. That's not, that's not trying to defend yourself. That's just going to God and saying, God, I need help. <laughs> I, I can't handle this thing. Lord, would you help me with this? That's the right kind of attitude to have. And when every time Moses did that, every time Aaron did that, they did that because they had the right attitude. They were focusing on not on their rights. You know, Moses could say, look, you've, God, you have made me the, uh, the leader of these people. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't ask for this at all. You made me the leader, and so therefore, I have a right to them following me and doing what I ask them to do because you've made me the authority. But that wasn't his attitude. Uh, his, he did not focus on his rights. He focused on his responsibility. He wanted to be a good leader. And, uh, and he fell on his face, and God told, him, uh, told both he and, and Aaron often that they're not upset with you, they're upset with me. Understand that and act accordingly. And so uh, uh, the wrong response to irritation is to, to defend ourselves. Another wrong response is to blame others. Uh, you know, you see this with Adam and Eve. Adam was approached about his sin when he partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, well, it's the woman. Oh, by the way, the woman whom thou gavest me? You know, she's the one who made me eat. No, no, she didn't. And, and, and please, Adam, don't blame God for the fact that you were disobedient. Uh, you knew about that, that order before Eve even knew about that order. And you passed it on to her. So uh, be careful of blaming others. That's a wrong response. And the last one is to just hold it in. There is a, a passage, I just read it recently, passage in the book of Psalms, and I can't quote it, uh, but, but I, it talks about the fact that uh, the psalmist is, is holding back uh, his, his, uh, the fact that he's irritated, he's upset, he's angered, and then eventually it just talks about the fact that he just, you know, basically explodes. Um, that's not the, the right way to handle it either, not just to, to hold it in. Um, you, you shouldn't, because honestly, you can't. And eventually that thing will come out and you'll explode. 
uh, what you need to do is you need to have that thing surrendered. So there's, there's th three right ways, and we're kind of going back to where we started here in the message, but there's three right ways to handle irritations. Number one, as we've already said, thank God for it. Thank God for it. Go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Book of James is addressing people that are going through difficulties and going through trouble. It was written to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, and it says in verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. One thing you can always count on that God's working on when difficulty and trouble and temptation come into our lives, he's working on the patience factor. Uh, he's working on patience in our lives, and there's not anyone, I don't think. I haven't met anybody yet, and I certainly haven't arrived uh, to the perfection of patience. It says, uh, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, and oftentimes we do during those times, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me over to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. Romans chapter 5, and in verses uh, 3 to 5, says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God uh, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So the second thing is, is to determine, you know, determine if you caused it. And if you caused it, okay, look at, look at what you did. Thank the Lord for it because it's come of God and it has a purpose. And then secondly, say, okay, Lord, now did I cause it? Is this chastisement? Is this a bad decision I've made? What, what is the reason why this is, has come into my life? And you may come up blank. If you come up blank then it's God who brought it into your life and he's got a purpose for it. And, you know, we talk, about, we talk about faith and we talk about faith in giving and faith in witnessing and faith in raising a family. How about faith in, with irritations? How about faith with uh, difficulties? How about exercising faith when the unexplainable and sometimes un understandable we can't we just can't grasp why in the world this happened happens to us we all have those things we all have them at different levels but we all have those and there's a right right way to respond a wrong way determine if you're a, a cause of, if you are then then fix the cause but if you're not you know pastor keck used to always say that when a difficulty comes into your your life uh you know, ask, your, ask yourself the question, is it deserved or undeserved? In other words, did I cause it? Or is this just something that God has brought into my life for a specific purpose? And then the, the, the last thing is develop character through it. 
use use that the that that uh, negative thing that is coming here. That thing is causing you to be irritated. That thing that's causing you to be to be angry. Uh, remember when Moses was told to the second time was told to simply speak to the rock instead of smite the rock and he got mad he got irritated he got upset with the people and you can tell that by the words that he said he said he said ye rebels uh, uh you know must must i bring uh, forth water out of this rock he called them rebels you could tell he was he was just he was just at, at his wits end with these people and so he disobeyed god and that's what happens okay when anger gets a hold of us, when irritability gets a hold of us, then we do something that's sin, and we disobey God. And what he did when he did that was he forfeited the very thing that he brought the people of Israel out of Egypt for. He, he, he forfeited the very thing that he had previously put up with all of their nonsense and all of their complaining and all of their griping, he gave it up because he lost his meekness. He gave it up because he got irritated. He gave it up because he got angered. One of the things that, that uh, honestly scares me to death is that in our anger and in our irritation, we could lose some specific blessings that God's got for us. Uh, anger and irritation does not bring blessings. It often prevents those blessings from, from taking place. So the three right responses are to thank God for it, determine if you cause it. And if you, if you didn't, understand that it came directly from God. And then say, okay, God, what are you using this for to develop in my life? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father. Thank you tonight for verses that you have given to us about the fact that we ought to focus on having a servant's heart. We ought to focus on our responsibility rather than on our rights. Oh Lord, we need to make sure that the mind that is, was in Christ Jesus is in, in, in us, the same attitude that you had when you were on this earth. Father, we need to have on a day-by-day -day basis. And Lord, uh, I pray that we be honest and uh, take a look at ourselves and look at our attitudes over the last week or so. And if there's been any irritation, if there's been any anger that's been there, it's because we've not responded properly. And uh, Lord, we've probably focused on our personal rights a whole lot more than what we focused on our responsibilities. Uh, Lord, uh, we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Help us to glorify you in our spirit and in our bodies because they belong to you. Bless this invitation, work in hearts, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed.